I'll back that up. I'll say it's the best podcast. It's the dopey podcast. It's the dopey podcast. It kicks your podcast in the ass. It's the dopey podcast. It's got drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. We don't care about the rest. If it put us up against another podcast, you know we'll pass the test. It's the Dopey Podcast. 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 This episode of the Dopey Podcast is brought to you by Allo Recovery. Located in sunny Southern California, in Silver Lake, in Malibu, this treatment center was created by our good friend Bob Forrest, his friend Evan, and their other friend Bob. It was created as a place that addicts could go to get treated with respect. Their tag is compassion, not control, and that means something. An addict that gets treated compassionately might have a better chance of getting better. At least getting better might be more pleasant. And that's another thing that Aloe offers. It's a very comfortable and safe detox. If you're coming off of heroin or benzos or really bad alcohol, you know how dangerous and unpleasant detox can be. So Aloe uh, providing a comfortable detox is a big deal. They also have crazy amenities. They have surfing. They have sound bath meditation. They have sweat lodges. They have some kind of equine therapy. Aloe seems like the place to go. If you're fucked and you're willing to go to Southern California, why not go to Aloe? This episode of Dopey is also brought to you by listeners like you in the Dopey Nation. If you guys like what you hear and you want to contribute, go to www patreon.com slash dopey podcast and throw a buck throw two bucks throw $125 a month if you like but I don't expect anything if you don't feel like giving money it's no big deal I love that you guys listen more than your money if you want to get stickers or hats just Venmo me if you want a t-shirt or a hoodie go to dopeypodcast.com and don't forget DopeyCon is around the corner Uh, It's going to be a live storytelling event. We want your stories. Submit your best story uh, to dopeypodcast at gmail.com. Keep it under 10 minutes and be prepared to come to New York to tell it. DopeyCon, October 12th. Uh, We're going to sell tickets for like five bucks just to know who's coming. So uh, I'll let you know when that happens. Enough with the ads already. Here's the show. Welcome to Dopey, the podcast about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. And I'm Dave, and it's the 201st episode, and I've brought in one of my very, very best friends, longtime collaborator and friend, Devin. And not to be confused with Devin Faraci, 
the uh, TV and film critic who spells his name D-E-V-I-N. Welcome back, Devin. Thank you. And Devin was on Dopey years ago. It's true. It was a stormy Tuesday night, and we were on the Lower East Side, and Devin uh, braved the elements and came over to record with me and Chris. Yeah. It was in your old apartment, your newest old apartment. Yes. um, With Chris. And it was nice. I bet you didn't realize how big the show would get. Um, congratulations on 200. That is amazing. The funny thing is that like, I was like, Devin, you're going to have to listen to the 200th episode to do the show. And he was like, it's almost three hours long. I know. Just the regular hour plus is a lot for me. Wow. But you listened to it. I did. I listened to the whole thing. I you- finished it this morning on my way over. And um, thoughts? Let's, we do a little uh, recap of the 200th. I, for my money... Besides my children, I think the 200th episode of Dopey might be the best thing uh, I ever did. It's really good. It's pretty good. It's really nice. Yeah. What, were, what was your takeaway? Um, it's amazing that this has happened, that you've managed to create this with Chris and then keep it going so long. First, I mean, Chris was such a driving force to keep that happening every week i feel like Mm -hmm. you're always you will definitely be obsessive enough to keep going but you need that other person to like keep the mechanicals of it going to come to you every week to to make that kind of thing happen well it's i think it's also just to like keep me from doubting it you know i think the reason i work with somebody on everything is because i have so many deep seated doubts Mm -hmm. and i think to have somebody else be interested i can be like the wind they can be the sail and i can be like the wind in the sails and make them like about Mm -hmm. it and then um you know sam has been incredibly helpful um he's been a he's been a a great help to the whole thing but i did have to figure out a way to create the wind in the sails kind of thing for uh, for yourself also whoever who's the guy who's sending in the stuff who does all the editing Clippy, clippy things? Well, there's a guy, a random guy named Craig, who calls mm-hmm. himself Worcester from Worcester, Massachusetts. Uh. And um, he was a huge Dopey fan. He's like a deadhead and a fish head. And after Chris died, he just started sending in clips of the show, mm-hmm. like funny clips of the show. Um, and he did a, a series of... Uh, Things called Dopey Chopped and Screwed, which were like kind of segments, mostly like five or six minutes long. Some were even longer. And right after Chris died, kind of every episode I would play an installment of Chopped and Screwed. Right. Yeah, I've heard some of them. They were long, though. Right. And uh, and, and I knew that for the, the Christmas episode that we couldn't use stuff that that was so long. So I asked him to do like one to two minutes, and he just came through with the really they good were stuff. They amazing. They were amazing. So good. It's so it's so powerful to hear the, like, progression of stuff that way. Oh, that, but that was the one thing he did. He was like, you know, Dave, I'll do what you want and give you one to two minute things, but I want to do this thing called the evolution of Dopey, and, which was 10 minutes, but it yeah. was, you heard that part. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing. The most, that thing was so sad. At the end of it, Chris's voice at the end of that thing, like, yeah. troubled me. It was, mm-hmm. like, disturbing. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah. And Wista also sent in amazing uh, visual art, uh, visual dopey art. And the funny thing about that is, like, he never did any before. He said that he learned how to do it for this, and he just sent it in 
Um, he's like like this fish guy. So a lot of his like a lot of fish always did like bonus art and shit. I mean, I don't know anything about it, but if you go to don't fish you? a little bit, <laughs> but if you go to fish scene and stuff, right. you'll see shirts with like kind of appropriated things and he kind of like did that for Dopey and he did it in a really cool and tasty way. Mm-hmm. So nice. like Wista is great. I, I he's a teacher someplace in Massachusetts. So, and I think me wanting his help has mm-hmm. made him want to help a little bit less. Yeah. So, who knows what will come from <laughs> Wista in the future? But, uh, but we do that was also, amazing stuff for the two hundred, though. So, thanks. There are scraps mm-hmm. though that I've saved for the two hundred and first. Do you want to hear a little funny, funny Chris? Yes. Uh, from Wista that I didn't get to play. Yes. Okay. Here, just to set the scene. Um, this is a, a, you know, just, this is something that Chris, basically when we ran out of drug stories, we kind of just wanted to remember like just funny stories. And, uh, and he came up with this story, which he called Francesca. Of course he mispronounced it as Francesca as soon as he started telling the story, but that was, that was Chris for you. So I go look at WhatsApp to communicate with Christina, and I find this old thread from about almost two years ago mm-hmm. in my WhatsApp thing, and it's from Francesca. And Francesca was um, an Italian girl that was an aide in the house next to where I used to live in the Berkshires. So she comes over. It's the second time I hang out with her. She's like kind of like, you know, clearly into like Christianity and stuff. And so I bring her upstairs, and I open the door, and I bring her in my room, and it's just this bed, you know what I mean? It's just gonna be us in the bed, and I see her face, and she's like nervous. She's like visibly nervous about this, right? And so I want to calm her down, but she doesn't speak very good English. So what I do is I tap my chest and I say, "Safe." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like safe, and, and think because she can't speak English well. This is funny. Right, I'm just gonna read one more. <laughs> she says, "Maybe tomorrow, if you will be tired. Maybe we can see Thursday or Friday if you can." <laughs> You're such an asshole. Yeah, just text me. <laughs> You're such an asshole. What's <laughs> wrong with you? <laughs> I don't know why it's so funny to me. <laughs> the look on your face. Your eyes just went Your eyes just went total fucking darkness. <laughs> it's so funny. I probably see it like a therapist and I'm like, yeah, I met somebody. <laughs> We're really connected. <laughs> you said that? No, probably at the time. Yeah, I mean... It's like you listen. It's like the setup in my mind is so funny, and then you listen to it. And I think the reason that that Wooster picked it is because we laugh so hard. Yeah, it's really funny to hear you both cracking up like that. Well, the other thing about it is like when it's late at night, I, it, it gets funny. You know. Also, it's funny to picture him like tapping his chest and saying "safe." The funniest thing to me, though, is like he thinks it's so funny that people can't text properly in English, and so he laughs and laughs about that, which yeah. I. Which I love. Now, um, can I drink coffee while we're? Yeah, that man. sound gross. I don't know. I mean, I, I used to eat. I know. entire Indian meals, <laughs> no, but it sounded all like you know. It was. It was I it was know. Nasty. You have to bring that up, though. You know. You know what it's called when what? somebody reacts badly to somebody eating on a microphone? What misophonia? Mm. So try it out. We'll see how yeah, the misophonics react. I'm not going to eat any of your dad's frozen, defrosted um, banana bread. But I, but it's early, 
Dopey Nation, hello. It is early in the morning here in New York City. Um, morning's not my strong suit, don't, not my favorite time of the day. Don't so, set up a reason that this won't be good. I'm not, I'm not, I have nothing to say. Not, I'm not talking about how the episode's going to go. I'm just trying to, you know, paint the scene for the people. Um, though, you know, for Dave, mornings are like his time to shine. <laughs> but I never get to do the show in the morning. Which is really crazy. Because it's sad. It, it's funny that you record at night so much because, like, that's... You're like on your last legs. It's like there's no gas in the thing. You're often delirious. You would much rather be asleep. Well, my new substance, you know, I've gone from like opiates and benzos to like sugar and work. You know what I mean? Like work is the latest substance for me. So like I just, this morning. Sugar is not a new additional substance for you. No, No. but uh, in the morning, like I get up at 445. That's very early in the morning. I get on a train. Do you set an alarm to do that? Yes. I get on a train at 546 and the whole train ride in, I'm doing work for for Katz's or for uh, Dopey. You know, and th- and then I get to work, then I walk, right. and then I work, and then I I just do that. You know, I then I have family time when I get home, and then I I try to crank out the dopey at night. But we had an opportunity to do it now. Yeah, I mean, growing up, Davy would go to sleep like during you know if we were having like a lot of us together having like hanging out, or I lived with Davy a lot in um. Towards the end of high school, we probably talked about this in the in the other. Time Don't I was worry on, but, about anything right. you might have talked about. Yeah, Devin and I have a long and storied history. Uh, we became friends probably in ninth grade or eighth yeah. grade, and uh, and uh, and Devin's family had to move to Connecticut. Yeah, they did, and then I pretty much moved out of my parents' house when I was sixteen. In between. Uh, 10th grade and 11th grade and then 11th and 12th grade I came back to the city and spent half the week living with my grandma in Coney Island and half the week I mean living with friends but like mostly here Mm -hmm. Um, Davy's parents very kindly officially adopted me as their Thursday night friend Thursday night son and then we would kind of scheme to extend that to typically at least two to three nights a week he was here a lot. Devin was here a lot. And um, and lots of stuff got done. I mean, um, Devin and I, like, I don't know. Like, I think I always had big plans and big dreams, but I never understood, like, how to put any in action until uh, Devin and I had gotten this uh, internship in high school. In our high school, you don't graduate until, or you graduate in 11th grade. Right, you explain this, please. Well, you don't graduate, but like you finished all your high school requirements by eleventh grade, and so by twelfth grade you're just doing electives, and then you have the or you can do an internship for credit. Right, that seems fair. So, like you have the choice. I don't know. Basically, you can be you can get an internship when you're a, when you're in your senior year of high school. So, Devin and I like we didn't have a plan, but <laughs> there were what? Well, so like yeah, we showed up at the like registration like pre first day of school thing at high school and we both were supposed to have like found something over the summer to like hook ourselves up with had we ta- do you remember if we had talked about anything i think i had to get a summer job i think i was mostly 
at my parents that summer. So like I was working up there and then we, so I don't, I mean, I don't think I was, we must've talked. It's hard to imagine. I was really stayed there that whole summer and we didn't talk about it, but I think we kept like putting it off, putting it off. But anyway, I remember us showing up and seeing each other in the hall and being like, okay, do you, you got anything? And I'm like, no, you like, no. And just then, someone in our grade walked past us and saw us and came over to kind of brag yeah, <laughs> about the sweet internship his family had hooked up for him through like a family friend. Well, his father, his father was a, was a movie editor, a sound editor. Really? Yeah. He did uh, Mosquito Coast. Oh, wow. He did a bunch of movies. And he had a connection to MTV. And us being incredibly opportunistic, we were like, well, how do, how do we become interns at MTV? Yeah. So he, said, he told us, and we got the internship like that day. Yeah. Only where this guy actually did the stuff he was supposed to do in the internship, which was like logging tapes and stuff, we started just bouncing around the office. And that's when my, my whole like designs on success changed. Yeah. You know, because I was just like, if we get in front of somebody, all we have to do is talk to them and we could do whatever we want. And I loved MTV. Yeah. I was like, we should be on MTV. Yeah. Growing up, I, they, we, we didn't have cable in Brooklyn and in like where I was in Brooklyn until, uh, you know, which was out by like Coney Island, Cheapside Bay over there. There was no, there, we didn't have cable. I didn't have MTV growing up until like I was staying with you, basically. Um, we had like, what the hell was it? It was like, there was U68, which was like one of the channels on the past, the thing that sometimes would show uh, videos. And I think Video Music Box was on there sometimes, but like not regularly. But anyway, you, when I, when I started sleeping here, Dave would like to have the TV on a lot, like to go to sleep too often <laughs> and just to have it. And MTV was on most probably, right? I was very, very interested in MTV. When we were kids, MTV was pretty good, though. You know, yeah. there was a lot of videos. It was like the time of Yo! MTV raps. It was like a good, it was a good time to be interested in MTV, 120 minutes. Mm-hmm. It was like pre-bad reality shows and music videos were still pretty great. Yeah. Um, and even before that, they were better. So like when we had the opportunity to be there, and, I, and also like it was just before all that VH1 stuff was happening, I was obsessed with MTV as uh, as just like rock and roll on TV and just like hip hop and the culture and mm-hmm. just I liked it yeah you know and um, so we basically started bouncing around that office right so we were working at this it, it, the internship was at this like news magazine show it was a it was a high school magazine show called Like We Care yeah and it was at like the subset of Viacom's major office, not with all the main MTV people. It was up by Columbus Circle, closer to, for people who would know the map. Nobody of knows the city. that. Nobody needs to know that. But then, so, but basically, it was like a 15 block walk down to the real one. The, yeah, the tower where all the like main MTV stuff was happening. And they needed people to bring back and forth tapes cassette tapes like big but bigger than usual size tapes weren't they yeah they're quarter inch tapes so we immediately or something else volunteered for that because we didn't want to sit around and log tapes and because we wanted to go to that place and walk around and And we would eat and stuff yeah Yeah. they would give us 
they would give us two tokens. They would give us tokens to, for, to take the train for there and back, even though it was really close. So we would pocket the tokens. We'd, we'd eat. We'd eat pizza we'd or something. Eat, and we'd, well, we'd stop and change the tokens at the arcade on the way for quarters. And then we'd use some of the quarters to play video games and some of them to uh, buy, like, pizza or something <laughs> on the, <laughs> in between. And then we'd go to the MTV and we'd just, like, walk around and try and meet people and take the, like, free CDs that were... Uh, free, free CDs. The stacks of, of, like, promo CDs that were on every desk all around. And it worked out. And um, we met... Uh, I mean, this is going to be before most of the Dopey Nation's time, but we wound up meeting Kurt Loder and, like, hanging out with him. He would smoke weed and listen to, like, Burning Spear, and we'd walk in and hang out and feel cool. It was cool. Mm-hmm. Why are we telling the story, though? I don't know. Okay. I've, I mean, right. I don't know. Okay. Um, but I, th- I think I, I wanted to tell the story because it's, number one, it's, like, a great origin story. Mm-hmm. You know, and, I mean, like... It's not me- a dopey story. I mean, there's no... It was, like, our... High school drug use was not really attached to the our MTV. I mean, we had this crazy MTV like roller coaster ride. That is like the next part of the story. Is this is especially as um, high school seniors was was crazy. The rise and fall all in this one like year, but um, it doesn't coincide with like our. With any like high school Well I don't think there was much high school drug use at all period It's true You know the high school drug use was like Was very 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 limited You know I, I've talked about it I smoked weed in senior year I think you smoked weed before that um, and, and actually our drug use actually started at the same time Or you had done Had you done acid before? No I had not So also I mean my parents were Had were stoners through most of my childhood They were old hippies And I think that that made me start smoking pot later than pe- than others. I feel like that was because there were people, it especially also, like when I met people out in the suburbs who were like smoking to be cool or like they were like feel like clearly presenting themselves as cooler because they were smoking. And I was like, well, that's like my, that's like what my parents Well, that's doing. also why you actually didn't become a stoner. I think. I, I mean, I'm convinced that people who have parents that are total stoners rarely become stoners. But we didn't tell the point of the MTV story. Okay. The point of the MTV story was that they put us on MTV. We became little guys on MTV, and it was cool. That's the whole story, basically, right? <laughs> well, kind of. It is. It, I guess so. But it's. But it's that for that moment. I mean, and obviously, I think like blowing smoke up people's asses is like a, a hallmark of of like a lot of <laughs> that world but there was at that time they were telling us there was that guy who was telling us you are the future of MTV they used our clips for their annual like Viacom stockholders meeting that year in uh, Key West or wherever the whole thing was very troubling to be honest with you. we would sit <laughs> with like the CEO of MTV and he would tell us that it was very troubling and we were 17 and it was really it really definitely went to my head you know mm-hmm. big time uh, because it was like it was all I had wanted, and we we became on air personalities for one episode. They had planned shooting a bunch of other stuff, and the two. Whole- no, we did the we did the toy fair. Yeah, we did uh, slaughter. Oh, we wrote yeah. in that. Uh, oh yeah, slaughter. slaughter that, their record release. That's uh, a little bit of a dopey story because I think 
I, I don't, or was it, I don't know why, but we went, Devin and I went to hang out with Slaughter. I totally forgot about it because it was made me so uncomfortable. Yeah. We, we had to get to a hotel near Your Penn Station. Your up a storm in the other room. No, they, they don't hear that. Okay. Um, fucking, we went to meet Slaughter at a okay? hotel. Yes, he's okay. fine. All right. We went to meet Slaughter um, at a hotel near Penn Station early in the morning and like we actually didn't like slaughter so like i didn't want to go because it just seemed like such a bad thing to go and and if you don't know slaughter was a big hair metal band in the 80s and they had a song called up all night sleep all day and uh and i didn't like them and i didn't like that scene i didn't yeah, want to well, do that's it that's why the the like we care people thought it was funny to send us to do it because we weren't but that, that's not you know, really funny of course you well, know? They, their sensibility was not uh and we Best. and we went there and we had to we had to hang out with Slaughter and think it was cool and I think it was also pretty uncomfortable for Slaughter, you know, frankly. Mm-hmm. And um, we wound up in a limo with Slaughter, but we sat on the floor of the limo because there were so many people in the bands that sat in the limo. Right, and plus s- the cameras. Plus the cameras. So we sat on the floor of the limo, and sitting in the limo made me so nauseous. <laughs> That when we got, we went to a record signing in New Jersey, and when we got out of the limo, I threw up <laughs> in the street. And it was like, the reason it's such a dopey story is because after, you know, I became addicted to opiates, I was throwing up everywhere. And when I would ever, I would feel that insane nausea, mm-hmm. I would always think of the slaughter. Nice. Not to mention slaughter in general just makes me nauseous. <laughs> you know, the whole thing was just like, it was so weird. And then, you know, we did, we did, uh, we hosted this segment at a toy show. And yeah. so they, they screen tested us. First, they did like, we did something in a studio. We did three little segments and they were like, we're just going to sh- show it to, uh, like screen testers. I don't know, who, I don't know what those are. Like, and if you watch like that screen people. test, it was terrible. Have you ever seen it? Yes. You're like recently? No, no. but I, it, it burned an embarrassing hole oh, in yeah, my sure. brain. No, yeah, yeah. Um, and then they were like, okay, we got back great reviews from the screen test. We're going to do two episodes on live, and we're going to see what feedback we get back from that. And they aired those two segments. And then they said, all right, that was great. That went really well. You're next. We're, gonna, we're booking three more segments for you. We're booking... Um, Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrelson at Madison Square Garden for White Men yeah, Can't On jump. the court of Madison Square Garden with an... Yet to be named member of the Knicks. Yeah. Um, opening day at Yankee Stadium in the dugout. I don't remember the third one. The third was Big Audio Dynamite. Oh, yeah, and Big Audio. Yeah, two, yeah. And, and Public Image Limited concert, and then to interview Mick Jones and Johnny Rotten afterwards. Yeah, that would have been pretty crazy. Yeah, it, was, it fucked our heads up pretty bad. And then <laughs> we sh- we're, we're ready to do all this stuff. I'm certain in my mind that it's all going to happen. You know, just like the whole thing. You, but know you were I mean? already like, oh, you know, we can't go to college next year. My, par- my dad was like, he's like, if you take a year off from college, you receive no financial support from our family. You know, whenever you, if you choose to go to college later, it's like you're either going to college right away or you're not getting a penny from us. Right. Um, I was like, oh, okay. And, then you're, and, and I was like, I was like, uh, I was you're like, like, you're like, we got to do it. We, what are we going to do? You're gonna not going to do this? And, and, but in my mind, it had already happened. You know, we had already made it big. We were rich and famous and, you know, 
fucking Mick Jones and Johnny Lydon and the whole thing, you know, was happening. And then we show up one day and the it's show... Like a, it's like days before the first one was going to happen, which I think was the opening day. Yeah. It was the spring. And we, we, we went to high school on the Upper East Side of Manhattan and MTV was on 57th Street and Broadway. Well, meanwhile, on a side note, during that time, we get... Busted by our school for no, it wasn't yet. It wasn't yet. Yeah, it was. Okay, it, I think so. Continue. It, well, this for, is this is the biggest it was spring already, and that was we had to take all those extra classes because of this. No, and that was it yeah. was at the end of the year. No, 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 no. But people don't like it when I quibble about details that they don't know about. Okay. So I don't want to quibble okay, about but details. But you're wrong. Okay. Okay. I could be wrong. Okay. I've been wrong before. Okay. So so. But the, also, doesn't the story yeah. doesn't work as good that way? Well, yeah, it's because like we're while we're like right because that's the good part is that this is all going to happen. But the bad part was we had to like turn in every week the stupid ICY log intercollege year log every week of like what we learned at the, our internship that year, and then we were supposed to get our our supervisor's signature on it. And we never, we would always wait till, till like Friday morning to do it, like out sitting outside of school. And then we'd sign the guy's name because we knew he, he wouldn't care. So did we forge every signature or didn't I think, we, most, I, think I think I thought I, the, the story that I remember was that at the end of the thing, you have to turn in your whole ICY log. And we had done none of it. So we did the whole thing the night before. <laughs> and he's supposed to sign the, the top of it. Right. And I was like, and, and I, this is the way I remember the story. Right. I said, I'm going to go over there and get his signature. <laughs> and you said, well, I'm not going to go. I'm just going to forge the signature. And I said, you think that's a good idea? <laughs> and you said, yeah, it's no big deal. So we forged the signature. I, I don't know if this is true, but I'll, I'll, I'm willing to accept full responsibility and, just because that's funny. And we handed them in. And then... For some reason, I guess they had to follow up with the supervisor. No, it's because that person hated you in the ICY office. That woman. She, nobody. Everybody she, loved me. Not Are true. you kidding me? Everybody. And the principal hated both of us. So anyway, we get, they call up the guy. He's like, oh, I didn't sign anything because he just wants to mess That's with us. That's not true. I don't and, believe that either. Um, the guy didn't, the guy didn't he so he said i didn't sign it because he didn't sign it he was like he and he and he was a little fucking weirdo too he was you, but then he, he was told he, us. he was a weird yes fan he had weird <laughs> yes art on his walls he had this pristine psychedelic bullshit on his wall which is right. how you know he's a weirdo right. and then they were like so did you sign this thing and he was like no i didn't sign it and then he said he was fucking with us but yeah. he wasn't okay because he was a piece of shit you know, sorry, so I, Charlie, whatever your name is. But this dude, Charlie, it's yes, true, it was Charlie. his name was Charlie Singer. If you guys <laughs> want to look him up, he was um, responsible for me going to summer school. That so, but year. anyway, but I, I you had although, to go to summer although, school. although I did forge the signature. So maybe I was actually responsible in the end. I had to take all these extra. Cl- and the reason I know it was, it was before the end is because I had to take all these extra classes. We both had to take all these extra classes. They wouldn't give us credit for the for the internship anymore. But I had and failed. Then you Spanish. had failed that class sometime before Spanish. Spanish. So, um, which ironically, I'm nearly fluent in now. Would you say that's true? No. Anyway, I, I would say I'm fluent in restaurant Spanish. That's good. And so, and have and, you ever told Mr. Diaz that? Maybe. Right. But and hold on for a second, Dad. This is my dad's favorite fucking story, by the way. Why? Which which part? What? You'll see, right. Dad. Hello. I don't want you, but it's it's to not have you on this part of the story. We're telling the story of MTV. Oh, yeah. 
And uh, this is your favorite story. This is the story that my dad thinks defines my life. Right. That so lean Devin, forward. Come close. Come yeah, clo- when Devin screws up, he doesn't get into trouble. When Davey screws up, he winds up having to go to summer school and change his whole life around. But what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have to go to summer school. But I did have to take extra classes. That And, um, you know, interestingly, when I graduated college, I also ended up scrambling that last semester there and had to take extra co- classes because I got kicked out of something. The but really that's, fucked that's, up that's vindictive piece. I need to think about that. The really fucked up vindictive piece was that the principal not only, you know, I had to, you know, failed us on this thing and you had to take an extra class that year and I had to go to summer school, but I was in a play. I was directing a play and he said, well, you can still direct the play, but I'm taking your name off the program. And that was my punishment. Now, what do you have to say, dad? Welcome back to the show. Fan favorite, I, I, Alan. Yeah, well, fan favorite, but I thought you didn't want me back here now. But in any case, what I, are you, and I, and you're, just, you're trying I'm to here, elicit you know. the, the fans for more guilt support? Well, I remember going to talk to the guidance counselor, and mm. I, I was defending you and screaming and yelling at the guidance counselor, and you said, Dad, calm down, Dad, calm down, because <laughs> I was trying to, because I thought they wouldn't let you graduate. They did. They, 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 did. They, did. they did. They did. They did. And so that calmed me down that yeah. you did graduate with everybody. Yeah. That's a long time ago. Is that all you remember from the story? I I remember being embarrassed that I was uh, getting so angry at the guidance council for, mm-hmm. and it wasn't her fault about anything. I mean, maybe it was her fault. Maybe it wasn't my fault at all. Uh, maybe she <laughs> forged the signature. No, 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 it was your fault for sure, for sure. Anything else you want to say? Uh, no, are you supposed to get rid of me now? No, you uh, okay? You were sneezing a lot in there. Yeah, no, I'm fine. All right, all right. thank you for thank you for. Right. Oh, you know the other the other thing the other point was you always made was everybody else can get away with X, Y, and Z, and I'm talking about like. Devin did drugs and he didn't become a drug addict. X, Y, and Z, blah, 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 blah. But you always said that I couldn't. No, that's true. Yeah, that, uh, that the things that David did, everybody else did, but they did not wind up in the, in the problem that David did. But I guess you're aware of it now. So, you know, you know, you know, <laughs> you're not aware of it now. I'm aware of it. I mean, in terms of, of, of you know, being, making wise decisions. That's, that's the bottom line, making wise decisions. Don't you want to say anything about how great the 200th episode was? Oh, yeah, it was really great. But how many toodles were at the end? 143 toodles? I think it was 142 toodles. Did you count the toodles? I think it was actually I don't I don't remember him if he said toodles on the first episode or not. Maybe he did. I don't remember. But it, it was it's funny, the toodles thing, when Wusta sent me these clips and I listened to the clips and the clips were very emotional for me to listen to. When I listened to the toodles clip, I was actually leaving this apartment and going to work. And um, I, I think I left the door downstairs and I said, oh, fucking Toodles is what I was thinking. And I hit Toodles and I knew that it was going to be a series of Toodles. And at two minutes, I'm like, I'm like, this is pretty funny. And then at two and a half minutes, I'm like, oh, my God, it's still going. And then at two minutes and 45 seconds, I said, well, I'll use two minutes of it and I'll, and I'll cut it at two minutes. And then I kept listening and I said, wow, this is just way too long to use. Yeah. And then I, but I, but I, I'll cut it. I, I, I was like of two minds with it. And then when it got to the end and I heard the last one, 
I heard, I remember that it was, the last one was from the last episode and it was the episode where Chris and I were Skyping and Chris was obviously high and I could hear it in his voice and the significance of it actually being the last time he said the word toodles made me say, I'm going to keep the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I also like, I listened to that probably four or five times. So that's like 30 minutes of toodles. Uh, and I hated fucking toodles. Um, but in the end, I knew that it was great and that uh, even if it was annoying to anybody, like, it was necessary. Yeah, I think it was important to play the whole thing. I think it's meaningful. Also, you're already at two hours and 40-something minutes, you know? It's exactly, like, exactly. 30 seconds of important toodles. Dad, what are you looking at? No, I was just, I was, I was <laughs> He's fucking did, gazing did into he, the distance did here. Did he use a, a different toodle from each episode? I mean, it, was it all 142 separate ones, or did he repeat... Some of them. You don't have no clue. How could I possibly know? I, it was 142 <laughs> different toodles. You know that can be on on your podcast, Alan. You can interview Wusta about how many toodles there actually were. The after dopey yeah, party. There's not going to be any any Alan podcast. Don't worry about that. You know, there even was, though McDonald's is going to have a podcast, and probably Burger King is going to have a podcast. All of a sudden, podcasting is big business now. I wanted to do a podcast from Cats called The Podcats. Huh? And <laughs> did you, another brilliant name. Did you hear did you hear all the names of uh the, so there was a Devin's not in the Dopey Nation group, God bless him. But um the Dopey Nation group is literally oh. obsessed with my father, okay? There's a there's a post in the Dopey yeah. Nation group. If Alan does a spin-off podcast, what should the title be? Okay? And then you have a uh, right. Fetching with Alan, mm. then you have Jew Crazy, which is my favorite, <laughs> and then the very the most clever one yeah. is is Alan on. That's really good. Yeah, well, Senior Dope wasn't so great. Senior <laughs> Dope? Senior. Oh, but Senior Dope could oh, be man. great. Like, is it's a play on Senior. You're like Mr. D- senior Dope, and you're also the Senior Dope. They said Senior Dope, not well, Senior Dope. Well, like, good. It's good. It's good that they keep you on your toes. Anyway, thank you for coming in. Okay, stay strong, Dopey Nation. There you go. Nice, nice appearance from my dad. And then the other thing, um, in the end... We got caught from the MTV oh, yeah. thing. So then, so we got caught, but but we're like, all right, we can't get credit for doing this anymore, but we're still doing it. It's still on the rise. We're still, they're using us in their shareholder meetings. We're about to have all these episodes um, and do all these amazing things that it's crazy to have done. Those three things would have been amazing. And like a couple of days before opening day at Yankee Stadium, we walk in, we like roll into the office all happy. And what, what greet I really day. felt, I really felt like I was one of the Beastie Boys at that point. Like, I remember I was like, I'm wearing shoes without shoelaces mm-hmm. and fucking dragging my scarves. I, I was just a mess. I was like a pre-junkie junkie. I was just, I just had a, I had a style that was just a total mess. Like I would just often be on the ground. My, my clothes would be very, I mean, that wasn't the Beastie Boys style. I just felt I felt full of myself yeah. as though I was one of the Beastie Boys. But I had a very pre-junkie I looked like one like my least favorite member of the Beastie Boys. Yeah, I De- had like Devin uncanny had a uncanny resemblance to Devin has an uncanny resemblance to Mike D, especially when I was younger. No, I mean he's just a little more craggly than you now. Right. But it's still a. a it's, I mean, no offense, Mike D, <laughs> when you listen to this, that you were my least favorite member. But you, you know, you were. You know, I met Mike D. At Katz's And I told him How much I admired him And I think when I meet And I met Ad Rock mm-hmm. At Katz's too And I also told him And I feel like When I meet 
people that I really admire that aren't drug addicts, it's hard for me to... I met Elvis Costello, too. It's hard for me to tell them about Dopey. Right. But when Mike, Mike D left Katz's and his family is still mm-hmm. there and I'm killing myself that I didn't mention Dopey because Mike D has some big radio show in Hawaii. Wow. So I take a Dopey card and I give it to his mm-hmm. like his stepfather or fa- you know, some, some father figure in his life. And I said, could you give this to Mike D? Um, and I don't, I don't know. So Mike D mm-hmm. might actually be listening. Well, I've come around on Mike D, I have to say, because someone brought me to uh, their like Brooklyn thing for their that big book that they did last year. Yes. And he, it was really endearing. Oh, man. I, know, I mean, he, like... He was great. Mike D, like... Both of them were great. And I ha- it was, you know, moving. Cause I, of- I have a friend who who's like knew the Beastie Boys and stuff, and he always said that Mike D was actually the nice Beastie Boy. And that he just gets a bad rap because of whatever. Right. You know, whatever. Anyway, that has nothing to do with anything. So we roll in there and <laughs> immediately, like, opening the door, you feel like there's the vibe. You just, even before you could see anything, you could feel like something was wrong. And then as, like, your eyes, like, tune in to what's going on, there's, like, weeping I don't and, like, remember people that at putting all. stuff into boxes. There are people crying and people unboxing their shit. What I remember, and one thing that it was also like the funny thing about MTV, when we got to MTV in the first place, it was like, oh, you're at MTV, blah, 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 blah. And then they take us to the kitchen, and in the kitchen is a free soda machine. And me and Devin are like, free soda? This is the best thing ever. And, like, and I remember thinking to myself, if nothing else, you could have free soda all day. And what an amazing thing. And I think we got there. In my recollection, uh-huh. we get there, the door's locked, and there's a note on the door that says, like we're canceled, instead of <laughs> like we care. And then I go to the kitchen, and the soda machine is gone. And I was like, this, this is terrible. You know, that, that's my Correct. memory of it. But, so the show was canceled um, right before we do other things. So we freak out and run to the people who could... You know who were hooking up our our situation. We're like, what? But what, what about our? What about we're our the future, future of MTV? Um, and they were like, "Don't worry, it's going to be fine. We're still going to use you. We're not going to use you for these segments because the show is canceled." But this summer, and this is how old we are. This summer is the Barcelona Olympics. So it was 1992. This summer's the Barcelona Olympics. We're going to send you and Dave to Europe a month before, and you are going to make your way, and like with a very small amount of like money to live on, enough for that you'll be okay, but not enough to live big. And you're going to make your way as our like, we send us like video dispatch things on your way to the Olympics, and then be one of our like coverage people at the Olympics. I don't remember that at all either. And so We're what like, happened? Okay. So what happened? That didn't happen. But why not? They just started eventually ghosting us. It was just like, because they move on to the next big thing. Right. I think the next big thing was Beavis and Butthead, to be yeah, honest with you. It's much it was cheaper, cheaper to, <laughs> to replace that. They could really control those guys <laughs> yep. easier than they can control us. Yeah. Um, so that was the MTV story. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know like, if there's any real reason to have that on the show, mm-hmm. but uh, I think it's a pretty crazy story. Mm-hmm. And it was a dream deferred, a dream denied. Mm-hmm. And then years later... Oh, yeah, after, there are the addendums. Well, there were many addendums. Because we kept trying to capitalize. We were like, we can still capitalize on our connections there. 
Well, I you every know, summer, but I got in, co- in college. But I actually got to capitalize on it eventually. It was like for the first couple. I know capitalize. It's a shitty word. Why? Because capitalism is like it's just bad. It means like you're doing bad things. No, it does Situation. Selfish. Uh, I feel selfishness. like selfishness. No. What are you talking about? I'm, it was opportunistic. How's that? Yeah. No. I guess it. I mean, I guess it is. But yeah. Sure. Go on. I don't. I, I mean, I don't, I don't want to get down to yeah. a socio-economic political conversation right. about the merits or. Right. Un- I'm going to drink more coffee. Or it's early or, in the morning. Or non-merits of capitalism, but we did try to capitalize on it. In the end, I ran into the CEO. I was a, a, a food server on World Yacht, um, <laughs> yeah, and, the, you were. <laughs> and the CEO of uh, of MTV showed up there. Maybe it was the CEO of Viacom, and it was very embarrassing. And, and many years later, I kept reaching out. Until I had a different TV show, and they had because he was like, "Oh, it's Dave of Dave and Dev or Dev and Dave." It was not good, and um, and when I went back, they they hired me on MTV Two. But when they hired me back at MTV Two, and I've told this story, um, they I, I presented myself as a real producer, and I went back to work. Were you already on heroin at that point? Yeah, I was yeah, totally. Totally full-on junkie. Right. I had lost my other job for going to detox, right. and I was shooting dope. And I was clean when I got the job, though, because I knew that I was in trouble. And I got this job at MTV2, which was actually in the another different MTV Viacom building. But uh, it was on the 57th floor. And as soon as I got my first check, like it was like some of the biggest checks I ever got in my life. And I, I got my first check, and I was like, fuck this. I'm going to get dope. And, um, and I got a bunch of dope. And and I was shooting up and I was, you know, I think I was making like $1,100 a week or something. And my rent was $300 a month. And I still went broke <laughs> and I still couldn't keep up with it. And, and But the highlight was in the very beginning. I was making a show for MTV2 and I was on like the 57th floor and I had my own office. And I would shoot heroin in my own office and the office faced Central Park South. Wow. And I thought to myself... This is it. Like I, I right. as in my mind, I was Miles Davis at that moment, right. which descended into like me getting my nose broken, helping out my neighbor, and um, uh, that's a good one, and uh, and fucking it all up, and uh, and on the last day. I went in on a Saturday, and all those promotional CDs that Devin was talking about, it was a Saturday. I went around three floors mm. of the MTV2 building with shopping bags, mm. and I stole the CDs off every person's desk. Right. I just went around. All of them. Yeah. From desk to desk, I left with like hands and hands and hands of shopping bags, like like discographies of Miles Davis and John Lennon, whatever, you know, whatever, you know, right. whatever, the great CDs. Right. And I went straight to St. Mark's right. and I sold all of them. I probably got 600 bucks and I spent that, you know, in a day or two days. So like that was the end of my MTV mm-hmm. career, which started so promisingly and so innocently. It's funny. Yeah. You know, it's weird. Um, let's get to a dopey story. What do you say? Yeah. So this is uh, from this guy, Mick, this English guy. It's a, he sent an amazing story about his journey to Hong Kong and a bunch of like terrible things that happened. And this is the follow-up about what happened when he actually got there. It's Mick. You ready? Ready. Mick is a great uh, dopey participant and fan and a uh, new like sort of pen pal of mine. So, hey, Mick, I'm sorry I didn't play your 200th thing. Maybe I'll play it now. But here's your voicemail. Hello Dave, hello Dopey Nation I hope everyone's well I had a brief um, email chat with Dave the other day And he said that a few people would mention They might like to hear a follow up to um, 
my my story of uh, when I got detained in Hong Kong. Uh, which was a surprise to me because I thought I did a train wreck of a job of uh, <laughs> sensing a voicemail and it was terrible, I thought. But anyway, I, was, I thought, fair, fair enough, I'll see what I can do. So, um, yeah, so me and my mate Rob uh, had been arrested and detained in Hong Kong. We'd um, been released on bail uh, with the proviso, obviously, to appear in court in Hong Kong uh, a couple of weeks following. So we're back at the airport, um, managed to get our baggage, um, got the drugs out of my bum by this point, obviously, and we got ourselves well. Uh, so I went out and talked to a taxi driver and said, look, where's the best cheap place to, to stay? Um, so he, he pointed us towards Kowloon, uh, which is, so we hopped on the train. Uh, and off we went to Kowloon. We, we got off, um, Booked into a backpackers, uh, which was about 14 floors up on this building that consisted of dodgy businesses selling knockoff Hugo Boss suits and fucking stolen electronics and God knows what else. But it was cheap. And there was a whole lot of lockers there, big lockers where you could lock stuff up. So we went to a DIY shop and bought a big butty fucking padlock and locked some stuff up and anyway, dumped, dumped off all our bags. Um... Had a fix in the room, um, which was tiny, but was all right, you know, for a fact that it cost about, I think it was the equivalent of about, fuck, it was like 10 bucks a night or something, and had a bathroom as well. So that was cool. So we went straight down the local pubs and that in Kowloon um, and um, thought we'd check out the local scene. Uh, so we found, we found drugs pretty quick, I think. Second pub we went in, we bought some hash. Um, and the guy who we bought the hash off, um, I asked him, you know, where can we get something stronger? And, um, and he told us this, I can't remember now, it's sort of all a bit vague, but I remember we ended up in another pub, which was sort of like a pool, a pool snook club sort of place. Um, and, uh, I got a connect there for heroin. There's um, an Indian, half Indian, half Chinese guy, I can't remember, it's called Nabin, was his name, and he told us he's, he lived in a building, the next building over, well, a couple buildings over from where we were staying um, in Kowloon, and he said he could hook us up later. He wasn't a dealer, but he he was into it, so he was going to jack us up later. Now, the, the area we were staying in Hong Kong was is part of what used to be called the walled city, now that had been partly demolished by the time we were there but at one point this was the most densely populated place on earth um, it was just a total ghetto full of opium dens, cocaine parlours and um, illegal businesses you know doing dodgy like I said you know stolen and dodgy electronics and dodgy tailors selling knockoff Calvin Klein Hugo Boss suits all this sort of thing so this this place was something else like I've, I've, I'm pretty well travelled but I've never seen it anywhere like like this part of Kowloon it was dangerous and it was full of drugs and full of criminals and it was fucking awesome uh, <laughs> if you know what I mean uh, relative to the mindset I was in at the time it was awesome anyway so we met Nabeen later at his um, apartment, for want of a better word, which was basically just two two little rooms connected together with a wet room, bathroom, shower, and um, and he hooked us up. And uh, we bought what was the equivalent of about a gram of heroin for 
what would have worked out to be about 30 US dollars and now I had a raging dope habit at the time I mean a huge dope habit um because I had a decent income and it was I was just a horrible addict so I was spending it all on drugs so I had a big habit and I took I took one hit of this stuff which was your classic china white and it just knocked me on my ass I um this dope was so pure you like there was no filtration or heating required you could literally just put the powdered arrow in straight in the barrel of the syringe shake it with cold water and inject it and it took me it took me about three hours to do my shoelaces up and leave because I was so bounced so um yeah so we bounced around Hong Kong um we got in a bit of trouble um got in a couple of fights in a bar in a place called Wan Chai and we got the ran from the police um there was an American aircraft carrier docked while we were staying in Hong Kong um so we got into playing pool with all the uh, all the US sailors. So that was that was a fucking good night. That was in an underground bar called the Roo Bar, the Kangaroo Bar in Wan Chai, which is between Kowloon and Chim Chow Shui, which was um, another one of the areas we were in. Um, so that was fucking cool. Um, uh, we we moved after a while. We found a cheaper place um, near Wan Chai. Uh, so we stayed in a backpackers there, and then we got the Nabeen's mate, who we've been buying heroin off, he came to the room and and he he OD'd in our room, and um, I was just freaking out. This guy, I, I was so sure he was dead, and the the room had a window in it, but it opened into the inside of the building down a giant sort of like chimney chute thing that went straight down the middle of the building, and. I saw my face, and so was my mate Rob. We were going to chuck him out the window. That, that was a plan at the time when we dragged him. I was so sure he was dead, and we dragged him across to the and we hoofed him up onto the bed, which was by the window. And just as we were getting ready to lift him, he the guy woke up. I was like, "Oh my god, what is wrong with me?" I'm, I'm about to chuck this guy out the window, and he's oh, fuck. Anyway, so thank God he wasn't he wasn't dead. Um, so uh, yeah, and a whole load of other things happened. I lost a phone number for the for the connect while I was over there. And the bean, I lost his phone number. So I got the taxi back from Wan Chai to Kowloon, and I'm just walking. This is you know skinny little English boy, twenty odd years old, walking around this ghetto building in in Hong Kong and I've got no number I just remembered roughly which floor he lived on it was either the 19th or 20th floor I'm just walking around shouting Nabeen Nabeen and there's all these crazy fucking little Chinese fellas with tattoos and huge scars on their faces and missing eyes and fucking bowie knives on their belt just fucking looking at me and anyway eventually I found him somehow it was about two o'clock in the morning and um yeah, got what I needed. So, but anyway, yeah, we, we 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 went to court and we were acquitted of the charges. We were fined for the break. We were fined for the smoking on the plane and that, and fined for something. The the the, the fine was roughly the equivalent of our the bail money we'd paid. So, eventually, we burnt out, um, and um, I'd lost my bank card and all sorts of stupid shit, blackouts and yeah, a lot of it's a blur and I ended up phoning my dad and um, he wired us the money for a flight. So after six weeks of just total insanity in in Hong Kong, um, 
we flew back to London and um and that was the end of that so uh yeah that's the the rest of my Hong Kong dopey story I suppose there's 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 a whole lot of other shit that happened while I was there but it's sort of it's it's all a bit vague amongst the blackouts and uh, god knows what else <laughs> but anyways um thanks for listening everybody love you all stay strong thank you dave um i'll see if i send you another one one day <laughs> thank you so there's mick that's a fucking dope i mean we have our stupid story about yeah, mtv that's that's amazing and it's, then and then you have this he almost threw someone out the window <laughs> who was alive you know that that echoes uh one of the original dopey mm-hmm. stories like um I don't remember if it was a voicemail. It was Chris's favorite. It was from this Australian guy named Maurice who found, who somebody OD'd, a guy named Ivan, and he thought it was a dead body. And he put him in a phone booth. In the phone booth, yeah, Yeah. I remember that. That Uh was like Chris's favorite one. And, And what a weird sort of caveat to that story was, you know, after Chris died, um, first of all, Mick, thank you for the dopey story. Mm, Fucking killer dopey story. Thank you for turning our high school memory episode into a dopey episode, mm-hmm. which is Thanks, great. Mick. Um, not that I don't love Devin being on the show. Makes me very happy. He made me come here at <laughs> I early didn't, morning hours. I didn't or... make you come. You, you said, I'm listening to the show. It's great. I'm going to come. Well, you didn't have to do it. Didn't I? No, you didn't have to do it. I you, mean, the, the you know, Dopey Nation, the 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 text, the pre, you know, I mean, Dave likes to play it a little cool sometimes in front of you, but you know, the 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 lead up to making sure you gotta be here. This is the time. This is when it has to happen. Well, that's true. Okay. However, I mean, also, I am, I'm really happy to be here. I'm touched to be here. I'm honored to be here right after 200 in the 201st episode, the first of your next 200. Um, no, I mean, I appreciate being here too. I totally appreciate that too. I know I, I, I pressure people to do a lot of things, the question, but people mm-hmm. never have to do what I pressure them into doing. I mean, come on, you know mm-hmm. that. Um, now the thing about that dopey story is it totally, I, it, it's so funny, like kind of pre cell phones or maybe not even pre cell phones. If you get, if you're sick and you get some connect and you don't keep the number, like, what the fuck do you do? I feel like I've in, been in this kind of situations similar to Mick's situation, wandering around buildings that I've mm-hmm. never been in mm-hmm. to find the dope because you're, it's like, it's like a needle in a haystack in the first place. And how do you find a needle in a haystack twice is the question. Right, and there's a clock ticking. Another thing that, that it made me think of, like, you know, once in a while I have these, these dope dreams you know, uh, where I'm looking for dope or where I find dope or I get dope and I put it in my pocket and I can't use it. Mm-hmm. Last night I had these dreams about Bud that I was ready to smoke pot again. Mm-hmm. And um, there were people at my job selling Bud and they were selling a bunch of like dank indica and and sativa and i was trying to choose what i wanted (laughs) but i hadn't smoked in so long that i'm trying to figure it out and i wound up with bud that i didn't want but then i remembered i had gotten the good bud too that was the whole dream and then in the morning when i woke up and uh i was excited uh to meet devin this morning at my dad's that um it, it occurred to me that after i stopped smoking weed i gave all of my bud to devin you remember that yeah do you remember, I, I think I called you mm-hmm. the day I got clean. Yeah. And I said, you got to come over and take all this butt. 
right? Do you remember it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, some of it was was like like decrepit old stuff that was like hidden up in your like top cabinet, but some was some was not. No, so, it was, and then there's also that like wax, and there was all that you had collected all this stuff. Well, it was a, it was the end of a glorious weed collection with a huge jar of one strain, and then like six jars mm-hmm. of other strains, and some were like more decrepit because I had saved them because I right. wanted to taste them one last time. Like I, it was yeah. like that was my fantasy was to have a spice rack of different strains of weed, and I actually uh, did it. Yeah, and then I gave all the bu- I gave all of the edibles to this dude at work, and I gave all the bud to you. And how long do you think it lasted you? Probably a while. That's the thing. I'm, I smoke very small amounts, and it, you know, over longer periods of time. So, like, by the usually, if I get too much, then it gets it gets old before before I get to it. It's by like, the time I have to you get smoke like it, it small tastes amounts like shit. from people. Yeah, right. yeah. Did any of it go bad? Yeah, probably for sure. Yeah. What a sad, what a sad yeah. thing. And, and um, what were you going to say? Just that I'm really happy that you're alive, that you've made it back. There were definitely a lot of time. Just when you're talking about like walking and looking, you know, for dope, there just were so many. Like when I was on my way over here, Rach was like, what are you, you going to talk about like, all of the many, many phone calls you had after all of each of Davy's relapses were like for hours you're like trying to like talk him into like trying again and like coming back what to do you life. Re- what do you remember about that? I don't remember that many of the of those phone calls, but you know um what I remember what I remember is like um you know, because somebody at work actually said to me, if you're an addict and somebody says to you, are you going to get clean? What do you say? And I feel like I would say a yes, but then just not do it. But I yeah, feel like I think when, you would weep and like, you know, we would talk, you know, and then I don't remember you would like get all like riled up about, you know, not doing it. Yeah. Like, I don't remember yeah. weeping. I just remember yeah. saying uh, I wasn't going to do it, that it wasn't going to happen. Like I one thing about me is like I would lie to get money and I would lie about not working mm-hmm. and I would lie about this. But I was always very pretty like uh I don't know what the word is, but I was pretty honest about not wanting to stop. Yeah. You know, I remember you were into the habit, but also there were, but there were times when you would come out of it for as well. Like I'd have a day clean and want to hold on to yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what? I, I don't know if we told this story when you were on last time was the Ibogaine story. Oh yeah. I thought about that last week. Um, when I was thinking about coming to, to do this also on a side note, it's really funny to be, also, just like, well, I mean, funny, I don't know, but like walking here to your dad's house off the train, you know, being in like the right train car to get out at the exit right by your dad's and come here. I mean, it taps into so many old memories of coming here. And then also memories of you getting me to come to meet you when you were a junkie. And then like half of those times, you would then like disappear, you wouldn't be there. You'd be like, come, and like, there were so many times, you'd be like, meet me here, meet me there, and like, I would come, and you wouldn't be there. You also, I also got you to give me money a few times, which is unlike you, which was very unlike you to be able to give me money. Yeah, I usually don't have extra money, (laughs) (laughs) but But, you know, you were, you know, scrapping. But to speak with total honesty, 
you know, it's been a long time. You know, I haven't it done has. I haven't done drugs in four years. Dude, I haven't done heroin in, in eight years. Yeah. How long? Like, how much yeah. do these kinds of things pop into your head? We've had a pretty. We we. I actually went when Linda left me. I made the decision to move uh, to the Lower East Side for two reasons, or maybe three reasons. One was because it was right near where I worked. Two was because the apartments there were exactly like the apartments I grew up in, and I couldn't resist that. And the third, maybe most important, was it was a stone's throw from where Devin lived. So, like, we hadn't hung out in, like, a fucking decade, basically. Mm -hmm. Except for, like, bursts when you would come in or, you know. Right, but I even remember when I came back and we started hanging out, it was like, it was weird. Mm -hmm. Like, I would meet you and and your daughter at a playground, and it was Mm -hmm. weird because, like, she was, like, two, you know, and you would be pushing her on the swing, and you hadn't seen me in, like, fucking ever, and it was, like, a little weird, and it took a little bit of time to get back Mm -hmm. into the swing. Yeah. So now when you're sitting here talking about the bad memories, how fresh are they in your head? Not that fresh, but it, but it there was conjures, something about right. well, there was something about coming at like a weird time for me, you know, to meet you and have it be here, like off kilter and kind yeah, of thing. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh yeah, I, I I know this feeling, right? Having to meet me in a situation where you don't want to, and like that's another thing. Like you can say that I made you come here because I did make you go to those places in the past. Yeah. I don't think that this is one of those situations. No, you know, and I love you, and I love Dopey. That you know, I obviously don't listen all the time, <laughs> you know, but like I, I, it's amazing. It's amazing that Dopey Nation's there, and that this that this podcast is is what it is. You know, let's 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 listen. You know, there's a couple things that I didn't get to from um, the 200th. So there's a bunch of voicemails that I stupidly didn't play from fans in the Dopey Nation, and of course, them being in the Dopey Nation, I've heard from them, and they're upset that I didn't play them. So I'm going to play a couple of messages from the 200th now. You excited? Yes. Are you, are you sitting on the edge of your seat? Look, here we go. We're going to start with Dopey Superfan. Randy, who used to attribute his whole sobriety to Dopey. You ready? Yeah, I think he's gotten his shit together a little bit. Yeah, this dude actually took me and Chris out to a steak dinner. Oh, I remember when that happened. And like the first, the first like six months of the show, he's a statistician for uh, the NHL and he fucking has a lot of beliefs about the show. He's incredibly excited about DopeyCon, by the way. Are you excited about DopeyCon? Very. Are you going to come? October 12th. 18th Street October 12th 18th Street 8 o'clock at night What day of the week is that? Saturday Saturday, October 12th Yes I'll try Saturday, October 12th Wait, what time? 8 o'clock At night Why wouldn't you come? If I'm not in the city for some reason If I'm like visiting my mom or something Okay, so if you're not If I'm here If I'm here, I'll be there How about that? That's more like it All right And here's Randy and a few more uh, stragglers That I just didn't get to Because it was so late at night uh, for the Dopey 200. Do you know I stayed up till 3.30 in the morning that night Whoa, to finish your, your wake-up time? I know, to finish the Christmas episode. It's amazing. I know, a lot of work, a lot it of work. It was really good. Yeah, it was good. Here's Randy and, and some more. Hey, Dave, this is Randy, a.k.a. Billy Baru. Congratulations on 200 episodes. I just want to let you know how much Dopey has meant to me in my recovery. I discovered you guys three years ago online, and at that time I was in active addiction. And at that time, you guys provided me something to listen to, something to connect to, at a a point where I was isolating a lot. 
secondly, as I listen to you more and more, I began to believe that a person could live a fulfilling, fun, exciting lifestyle without the use of drugs or alcohol. And for that, uh, I am eternally grateful. Um, I'm sure a lot of people are grateful for what you do. Uh, I certainly am. So thank you so much. Dave, this is Patrick from Don't Die, Wisconsin. Happy 200. Holy shit. That's a lot of podcasts. I was going to say happy 200 episodes of uh, doing something great 200 times in a row besides banging dope, but let's be honest, not all 200 episodes are good. Maybe like 184 of them. But uh, congratulations on all, all your hard work. Uh, Merry Christmas. Uh, even though I never got to meet Chris, um, uh, I learned a lot from him by listening to him, and uh, I'm really proud of both of you guys. Uh, congratulations on your four years in a row. Wow. Um, you're the best. You're making a difference. You're helping people. Um, keep up the great work. I'm so proud of you. And uh, mad love and respect to the Dopey Nation. And don't die, motherfuckers. Hey, Dopey. Congrats on 200 episodes. Um, it's Ellen here from Australia. I've written into the show before to talk about the impact that Dopey's had on me um, and that it's the reason that I have a relationship with my dad again, who was a heroin addict for most of my life and is now three years clean. Um, Dopey's also the reason that I'm slowly <laughs> getting my own addicted ass uh, towards sobriety. So thanks again and toodles for Chris. Hey, Dave, it's Courtney. I just wanted to give you a shout-out and to let you know I miss Chris and you're doing a great job continuing on with Dopey, and I hope to see you soon. Thanks. Toodles. Boy, that's me doing a bad impression of Dave doing a bad impression of Arasta. This is Jen, the dope-smoking, pill-popping, booger-sugar-sniffing social worker from NYC by way of Pittsburgh from the last episode. Just wanted to wish everyone a very happy Christmas. Chris, we miss you so much. Dopey has meant so much to me. It's helped me stay sober and feel less alone, knowing there are so many other fucking depraved, debaucherous drug fiends out there just like me. I needed this in my life, and I'm so grateful to hear everybody's stories. Big shout out to Amy Dresner, Dead Meth Owl Chick, Jeremy Turner, the Xanax Donut Store Blackout Chick, the Crackhead Lawyer, the Poughkeepsie Rockstar Guy, Hot Wheels, and Audience Guys. And most of all, props to Dave for four years of sobriety and for bringing us all together. I'm going to pour out some seltzer in honor of Chris, Todd, and all the other fallen members of the Dopey Nation. Maybe in our next lives, we can do lots of drugs together without all of the consequences. Love you all. Stay strong. And toodles for Chris. Wow. That last one just gives me the fucking chills. Mm, those are amazing. Um, because I don't know if you know this about me, but <laughs> like I'm, you know, I'm very sentimental, but, I, but it takes a certain thing to really trigger the sentimental thing in me. It's like if I watch a movie... I only cry like at the graduation or at like the 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 moment where people care. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that's the moment that always gets me. You know what I mean? There's a lot of like bad things that happen and I kind of just can endure it, but when when the people come together at the end, that for some reason triggers me. Well, it's like how you've always loved the 
the other more traditional Christmas like episodes of everything. Right. Always, you love that kind of stuff. I do. And so this, I mean, like I knew how much I would love the 200th episode, Mm -hmm. but when I started to hear from people Mm -hmm. and like that woman, Jen, who recounts all of these different, very specific things to the show, it really makes me feel something. It's amazing. I mean, it's amazing. Um, But the real thing that whenever it happens is when I hear anybody mention Todd, um, I like die, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I had I had a funny Todd thought, but I can't think of it now. You you were around Todd a bunch, yeah. Um, yeah. Any any memories of Todd you'd like to share? Um, or is that putting you on the was, spot? No, no, not at all. I'm just thinking. There was an early. Uh, I know that Todd loved you. you. I know that, uh-huh. that you made Devin's just an incredibly warm and sweet and kind and brilliant guy and he makes people happy to be around if you walk around the lower east side with devin every person knows him because he works in schools down there but he also has helped out all these families so anybody that sees devin is happy to see him which is always very frustrating to me because mm-hmm. i'm with him i don't really like other people to, to show up and um you know what i mean yeah anyway so so Thanks. like i know that todd Loved you being around because he mm-hmm. knew you liked him and you made him yeah. feel that warm, nice thing. Mm-hmm. He, after you guys became junkies, it became harder for me. Like I had this, you know, this kind of warm, fuzzy, dummy kind of feeling around Todd, which he, he would play up, you know. Um, well, he was retarded. Yeah, he would do retarded stuff but all then, the time. But then after you guys became junkies together which was like when I went to, when I lived in Istanbul for that year, right after, right when I, I, I went to Istanbul, right before I moved to Istanbul, uh, yeah, you had that breakup, and then I was there, and then when I came back, you and Todd had, or had formed a heroin habit. Yeah. Um, and then it was still snorting, and it was still, you know, light enough, but like it was regular, and then, and then it, it got deeper. And then after that, once you were real on, once you moved to L.A., basically, my, my feelings about Todd, it became more like, oh, Todd, you're going to die because of Todd. Because like, every time you would relapse would be with Todd. Yeah. Todd would come around, and then you, you, would, uh, you would dive down. And so that became a harder thing for me to have around him. Right. It was, it was, it was less enjoyable <laughs> to have Todd around. But before that, I remember there's this moment when uh, you were living, you and Jim were living on Norfolk Street. Yeah. And um, Todd was just uh, smoking pot and doing cocaine. It sounds right. Right. And so, and he really wanted to go buy some cocaine and no one wanted to go with him. And I was like, I'll go with you, Todd, you know. And so he, we go down and he's like looking around and like asking people and these <laughs> kids, you know, we were probably 20, well, 21, yeah, 21, 22. Yeah. Um, and these kids were maybe like younger. They were like 17, 18 and they see Todd with his like, you know, Big hippie beard and his buddy's all you know stupid rasta hat. Yeah. He's like, hey dude, you know you know where I can get any? And um, they're like, yeah, yeah, sure. Um, give me your money, and then over there in the uh, under on the tire of that car is where you'll find the 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 blow. 
And Todd's like, okay. And I was like, wait, Todd, I don't know. He's like, no, 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 it's fine. I'm fine. It's do, I do this all the time. And so he gives them the money, and they leave, and he goes over to this car, and there's nothing. There's, there's nothing on the wheel. There's nothing there. That doesn't sound... I mean, and, that, I mean this is very early it on. It had to have been. So, and he was like, oh, man, I can't believe that they did that. Right, right, right. right. And yeah. so, so Todd got beat. Yeah, it was, it was sad. <laughs> <laughs> you, I mean, Todd's got beat infinite times, but like, I guess every time he would learn a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I, one story he never told, which was like the darkest time in Todd's life. Um, and I was clean, and he, he like didn't want to tell me about the stuff he was doing because it was so crazy. But he told me he had befriended this crack dealer in Harlem and he would live in her house. He would, cause he lived on the Upper East Side and right. he would just stay in her house. And she, and this is so funny how, how far it came. She would go to the bathroom and he would jump into her closet, open up her safe and steal her drugs. So like he made up for whatever these kids stole on the Lower East Side. Uh-huh. And, um, but it's crazy. It's crazy that, um, that he died and it's, uh, it's crazy. you know, with my dad talking about all the stuff that I didn't get away with, but I, I mean, like, this no, is something that, you know, I survived this thing for now. And, um, you know, I, I think the emotions are, are all very, very high for me around Todd and Chris. The Chris stuff is like, it's still very built into weird sadness, anger, disappointment. Mm-hmm. And just like, I don't like to accept the whole thing with him. With yeah. Todd, it's like an, my brother who, mm-hmm. who died painfully. And I've tried to unpack the, the emotions of this a billion times already. And hopefully eventually I'll be able to. Now, interestingly enough, we heard from um, dopey superfan, pioneer, Hot Wheels from fucking the Midwest someplace. I want to say Minnesota, but maybe Wisconsin. I think it's someplace out there. I should not say that. Hold on. What's up, Dopey Nation? It's Hot Wheels calling in with that story that so many of you wanted to hear. And uh, so many showed so much love during our loss over the Twitter. I didn't know that many people actually freaking cared. So let's see. Uh, what kind of story can I amuse you with? I want to make it a little dopey and also a little cautionary. Um... So what I came up with was the night that I fucked up with Klonopin and heroin. It was in August, I think, before my spinal cord injury, and my buddy picked me up, my girlfriend, to go to I, some fucking kegger in the city where it was. It really doesn't matter. No, I had three Klonopin, three bags of dope, and on the way there, whoop, the pills disappeared like, a, you know, any good addict form, three two-milligram Klonopin, fucking... All at once Gone like any good addict No No I was never really a big drinker But I had a few And I tried to like Delegate my three bags of dope To make it last through like You know However long the whole kegger was Which was probably just a feeble attempt No Night went on You know It was just a party And then I don't know Disagreement with the girlfriend She went her way We went her separate ways And that's just, I don't know, a dopier story. Maybe something you get to hear sometime later. Whatever. She's a dope. And um, I don't think I really relegated them bags and smack throughout the night. I probably just did them all at once. Whatever. No. Um, well, long story short, is remember coming home and getting dropped off. I got out of the car and everything seemed fine. 
I mean, I walked up the driveway. I remember that. That was fine. And then I got to the back door and pulled the keys out. And it was like, I, I don't know. I could not get the key in the hole in the door. I mean, it was like, like I never had sex before. You put the key in the slot, you turn it. What the hell? Like, I couldn't get in the house. Somehow I got in. And, um... I this is completely blacked out and I used to do this thing when it was hot out where I'd open up the freezer for like a minute and just put my head down to cool off and um I think while I was doing that I had this grand idea that hey you could halfway crawl on the bottom of the refrigerator taking that probably so I dragged the kitchen table out in the backyard, all four chairs, and put it together all nice and neat and set it with the placemats and the silverware, plates and everything, right down to the fucking fruit basket in the middle, just like it was in the kitchen. And uh, while I was cleaning off the bottom shelf, through deductive reasoning, the next morning, I think I was using my butt crack to hold lit cigarettes while I was moving stuff out of the bottom of the refrigerator because I woke up with the most massive burn across the top of my butt, like right where your butt cheeks start, where I couldn't sit down for like a week. Yes, I had to deal with who butt raped you jokes from all of my friends for like three, four days, like. And I couldn't even give him a good answer. Like, I couldn't tell him this story. Yeah, I got high and went to sleep in the refrigerator. Uh-uh. Yeah, kids, this is where, like, the real dopiness of the story comes in. Apparently, I did make it into the refrigerator and fall asleep because my mom found me sleeping in the refrigerator. But I didn't know this till the next morning when I woke up. I could never fall asleep with my socks and shoes and shit on and jeans. So when I got up, and, you know, I was trying to get up. As soon as, like, you know, you pull that thing, that move where your feet hit the floor. And, like, I looked down and was like, shoes? Sacks? I stuck in my pants on? What the fuck went on last night here? So I was, like, going upstairs thinking, man, what went on? What went on? Like, what happened? Like, I remember trying to get in the house. My mom was sitting there drinking coffee and looks me dead in the face and goes, what went on last night? I'm thinking, that's a really good question. Does she know something I don't? And then she tells me how she found me half in the refrigerator, questioning if I was alive or dead, dragged me out of it, and I guess I woke up and went downstairs and went to bed. And now she had to bring in the kitchen table and all the chairs and put it back together. Yeah, I find this kind of funny. Well, thank God I didn't die or I wouldn't be here to tell this story to hopefully spread this message to somebody who might think that taking three Kalanapin and doing some heroin is a good idea because we ain't living in the 2000s anymore. Heroin ain't heroin. It's fentanyl. I've lost too many friends. We've lost Chris. No, it's just not the same game a lot of us got in playing. So those of you that are clean, awesome. Stick to what you're doing. Don't go back out. Those of you that are coming back out, 
going back in and going back out like I did. Just keep doing it. Eventually it'll click, but watch yourself. Be careful. Don't mix these things. Don't use it alone. Make sure there's Narcan somewhere. I just don't want any more of you guys dying from this disease. And I think that's the end of my recording, because I'm probably going to start crying. By the way, this took like 10 times to record. So, I hope I got it to you quick enough, Dave. Sorry for the delay. Miss you, Chris, and love you all, Dope Nation. Toodles. That only took me 10 months to play. That's a, that's a good one. Maybe longer that took me to play. That is Hot Wheels, Dopey Legend. Thank you for sending that in, and my apologies. And, you know, he was supposed to be on the thing, but it was his birthday when we were recording. What, and it, Christmas? Yeah, he was supposed mm-hmm. to be on Christmas, but his birthday was right around Chris's birthday, I guess. Mm-hmm. I think the day before. Yeah. So, but I'm sure we will hear happy from... Happy birthday. Happy birthday, and I'm sure we'll hear from him soon. Um, now, before you go, or before we go, yeah. I want to tell you this retarded thing that mm-hmm. happened, this thought. It was a very stupid thought. Give me. I was home, and um, I was going to 7-Eleven to get cookies. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> I was thinking about not bringing my phone. Okay, for a second. I was mm-hmm. thinking I was going to leave the phone. This is how addicted I am to the phone. That's right. the other thing that I'm fucking addicted to. Um, I leave, I, I think to myself, I'm going to leave the phone here and I'm going to go get cookies. But the thought I have is what if something happens to me on my way to 7 Eleven? Mm-hmm. Like I pass out behind the wheel or I get hit by a car or something. Right. When the ambulance comes, what am I going to do for all that time in the ambulance <laughs> and in the hospital? Not like how to connect to how to like yeah, I, I, yeah. Right. just the idea of sitting like. alone without <laughs> the phone it was just terrorizing to right. me. Yeah. You know how funny is that? It's really funny. It's a funny thought. Yeah. You got stuck without a phone for weeks recently, right? Well, just a week. Right. Well, and how was that? It was. Um, it was fine. Well, it was hard because I wanted to be in touch with. You know, with Rach, with my daughter, like that kind of thing. But um, what's the yeah. real reason but, why that it was hard to not have the phone? Well, that and it was right when um, uh, Nick free agency was about to happen. And so I needed to also find out what was going to happen there. But there was one I, I was in remote uh, Nova Scotia and there was no cell service. And in this like little uh, cottage, there was no. There was no phone and internet for the week. So, but there was one tiny corner of the porch where you could get like a bar sometimes. And so I would go there, check in with my fam, and then try and download all the articles that I could and then bring it back in. And it was also weirdly cold during that week. And so, so you're shivering. Yeah, exactly. up I'm like, oh, what's going to happen? Well, that's another thing that Devin and I share is this mm-hmm. terrible obsession with the Knicks. It's terrible. terrible. I, I honestly, this is my, my phone life. I look at uh, dopey stats. Mm-hmm. I look at uh, dopey emails. I look at work emails. I look at dopey social media. I have to do all of the work social media. Right. So that's those five things. But I they're have, all like one thing, kind of. It's all like dopey and work. Right, but it's just constant scrolling between right. these different things. And then when I'm done with that, I, I just there's a button on my phone that I've created uh-huh. that just says Nick's News. And I hit the button, and I want to see if the articles refresh. Mm-hmm. And all these bullshit websites, they're like, let's explore the David Lee sign-and-trade of 1997 right. or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. I, I fucking I hate those, mm-hmm. those 
clickbait sites mm-hmm. for people like me who are obsessed with Knicks news. Right. Disgust me. Mm-hmm. The only thing that disgusts me more than that is the Knicks is themselves. The actual Knicks. But maybe we're in a good moment. We'll, we'll, let's not go into a whole Knicks uh, wormhole right now because... Uh, you know, I've got a lot to say. Well, the, the, <laughs> I think we're going to call it a shorty, and we'll call it the addendum to the 200th episode, and we will call it the time uh, Devin and I almost became famous on MTV. Mm-hmm. The for next time I come in, just just to put a bookmark. Yeah, a couple of stories I think we should talk about at some point. I think that the Ibogaine, you doing Ibogaine to try and kick story. Is worth is worth telling. I feel we didn't tell that story when you were on. I think we did. You, you, you think we did? Yeah. All right. I know I've told um, the actual Ibogaine story like okay. three times All at right. least. So then, but then I'll tell. That's no, one no. of my favorite All stories. Right. I'll tell um, it again. What else? The um, I think we should talk about my dad because like I'm not afflicted, but I grew up with a father who's an addict, and he just died last fall. And Davey knows him, so like I think that it would be worthwhile. And you know, well, how much Dave's of an addict? Died. How much of an addict do you think he was? I mean, that's the reason. That's the reason I didn't want it to 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 get into it because I wasn't certain, you know, how much of how much you consider him an addict. My dad was an addict. He is his one of his his main uh, um, slogan is "More is more." Wow. (laughs) Yeah. He, he was a, he was he was a pioneer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Devin's father was so out there in so many ways. He just like he he seemed more like just a larger than life character and somebody who was on the spectrum of mental illness. Oh, I yeah, say that with sure. all that respect no. and, and mm-hmm. love. And I love Devin's dad. And me and Devin's dad had a great uh, loving bond. Yeah. You so, know. But I think we should. You know. I think it's it would be worth talking about that. And you know, parents dying. Um, always good times. Um, and then uh, there was a third. There was a third thing. Oh, when we um, took acid for the first time, and which was I think maybe like our first real, like both of our like first real drug use, like before. I feel like we um, told that story the first time too. But yeah, maybe we did. But yeah, we went to the we went to Madison Square Garden, and uh, we went to see the Grateful Dead, kind of with the, just the plan to take acid, only to take acid there because neither of us listened to them. We were like, oh, that's where that'll be like a nice safe space to go find and take your our first acid. Well, we could actually the the, the logic was we could buy acid from hippies as opposed yeah. to like who knows who in Washington Square Park. Which we ended up doing so many times, to- or in Central Park. <laughs> yeah, well, in Central Park, mm-hmm. I felt like we bought it from hippies. You know, in, in Washington Square Park, not so much. Sure. You know. Anyway, um, but you just... Uh, the one story I think, I think we should unbookmark for a second is uh, with your pop. Then we have to... I think we should save it. We have to go. Just tell the painted black story real quick. No. Really? What do you mean? No. Yeah, just give it to them at the end. Yeah. All right. Let's, All right. Let's so um, my parents grew up in Brooklyn. We're hippies. Um the they were in a especially my dad. My mom was kind of you know along for the ride a little bit, um, but my dad was all in. Um, and what album is Painted Black on? I think Aftermath. So that comes out, which is when I don't know, nineteen sixty seven or sixty six. That album comes out, and my dad gets it immediately and. Is taking acid and listening to it, and Paint of Black comes on, and he's like, uh, "Yes, yes, this is what we must do. This is what we're going to do." And so they go out, and he—I think maybe he had some friends over. They 
what did you find the year? Um, I don't okay. know. I know. <laughs> they were born in 45, both my parents. So however old they were when that happened, 22, 23, they were in like their first, one of, one of their first apartments. My parents met in 10th grade in uh, 10th grade high school in Coney Island. Um, so they get buckets of black paint and they paint their entire apartment black. The furniture, every, all the wood furniture, the walls. The fruit. The, 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 and there's listening to it over and over on record. So like putting the like... 1969. 1969. It 1969. says it's on Let It Bleed, but I don't feel like it is on it's Let It Bleed. It's not on Let It Bleed. I don't know what it's on. It doesn't matter. This anyway, is the kind of detail yeah. you're not supposed to quibble about. I'm not quibbling. You were like typing it I know. You I'm were trying to find research. out when Painted Black yeah. is from. Anyway, that's... That is a little bit of insight. But into, did they? They painted the fridge. They no, paint, was, I was right. Yeah. It was aftermath. Yeah, they painted 1966. I was right in the first minute. They painted the tables, the walls, the furniture. But did the, they like, really fridge? That they they paint. They painted black. Black is night. <laughs> black <laughs> is cold. Did they? Did they really? I don't think they painted over the windows, but I know that they had like like some like plexiglass things that were painted, and then. Like the next weeks and weeks, my mom is like, "What? This is probably not the best idea." That's so funny. Did they really paint the fruit though? Were the apples black? No, I don't think so. Oh well. Anyway, I love that story, and uh, I think we finished it on, a, on an up note, which I love. And um, so we'll say, uh, stay, "Stay strong, strong Dopey Nation. Nation," and fucking toodles for Chris. And fucking toodles for Chris. So you think the show is going to end, but then it doesn't end. And the addendum to the 200th episode has an addendum in itself. So this is the addendum to the addendum. And basically, if you say the word addendum a lot of times, it doesn't sound right anymore. Addendum. It sounds like some kind of dental procedure. But the end of the show, I, I wanted to play more of those voicemails because I love them. And there were so many that I didn't get to. Now, I just want to be clear. That means I will play a bunch of fucking voicemails and I'll still not get to yours probably so please don't hold it against me but here are a couple more voicemails before we go and before that I just want to remind you guys that on October 12th it's DopeyCon and DopeyCon is going to be a storytelling festival in New York City in the spirit of Dopey so send in your best Dopey story on drugs addiction or dumb shit or all three or recovery Make it funny, make it compelling, make it under 10 minutes, and send it to dopeypodcast at gmail.com. If you can't come to DopeyCon, maybe I'll just use it as a voicemail. But send them, and uh, let me know if you're going to come to DopeyCon. I'm not counting on any of you guys to come. Well, here are some voicemails, and uh, the end of the show again. And Mountainside has been kind of tight-lipped about the exact location of DopeyCon, but I'll tell you this, it will be on the west side of Manhattan, somewhere between 14th Street and 20th Street. And we'll leave it at that. Find a cheap place to stay, though. And uh, All right, and before we go, this woman, Alyssa, wrote me on Instagram that her boyfriend, Anthony, is a huge dopey fan. So we're going to wish Anthony a very special birthday on the 27th. All right, Anthony, happy fucking birthday. You better hopefully listen to this. All right. Stay strong, Dopey Nation, and fucking toodles for Chris. Here's some voicemails, and goodbye. Hey, Dave. Uh, just sending in that voice memo again. Um, Dopey has helped me through my sobriety. Uh, it still does. And it's like the N.A. that you're not supposed to talk about when you're there. 
So sometimes it's just fun to make jokes about how shitty our past is instead of taking everything so fucking seriously all the time. Thanks. Hello, Dave. Hello, Dobie Nation. It's uh, Mick here from the Hong Kong story. Happy Christmas. Happy 200th episode. Keep doing what you're doing, mate, because I know it means an awful lot to a lot of people. Stay strong, Dobie Nation, and fucking toodles for Chris. Love you all. Bye. What Dopey means to me is greater than Chris and Dave's harmonies. I heard it first when I was still a user, but right now somehow I'm not and feeling much less of a loser. I remember withdrawing on the floor, mumbling along to I want to be good so bad between lulls of spider crawls. Praying for that day, I could have belly laughs like Chris and like Dave. Through dozens of relapses and uncomfortable meetings, I had this secret podcast that helped lighten my feelings. Was I in love with Chris or was I Chris? My ADHD and SMI can only scratch the surface for what I felt for this guy. And Dave, without reservation, has kept the dopey nation together and expanding through some unholy revelations. Thank you, Dave, and thank you, Chris, for keeping me company and for putting the idea in my head of what it means to be truly free. Toodles. Dave, happy 200th episode. What an achievement. I love Dopey because it's my own dirty little secret. I uh, start my day with my coffee, uh, listening to Dopey while I put my makeup on and get ready for my day. It's my morning fix. Uh, I just love listening to older episodes with you guys together. It for sure warms my heart, but breaks my heart at the same time that Chris is not here to experience and enjoy, you know, the full wrath of what Dopey has become. Uh, no doubt he's proud and he knows what's going on. We love you, Chris. We miss you. Uh, stay strong, Dopey Nation, and uh, fucking toodles for Chris. Hey, Dave, congratulations on 200 episodes. This is Tommy from Long Island. I just got one year clean from Coke and Dope. I couldn't have done it without you. Stay strong, Dopey Nation. Hey, Dave. Hey, Dopey Nation. Happy 200th episode. I can't believe it's been so many, and I can't believe it's been so few. Um, And Merry Christmas, if you can say it's Merry. Um, It's wonderful to remember Chris and um, to think of the legacy that he left behind and the way he really and truly carried the message. Um, Dave, I want to thank you for the way you open up to us every single week on Dopey and let us into your life and your thoughts and you're so authentic and we all appreciate that and I think that it's helped us in the Dopey Nation to be authentic with one another and to create an amazing, amazing community so thank you for that and thank you Linda thank you Annie thank you Alan Um, it's I'm so proud to be a part of this community and um, that's it stay strong dopey nation and fucking toodles happy birthday Chris toodles to you do you know uh, the lion sleeps tonight in the jungle. Do you want to do the bottom part or the top part? 
The lion sleeps tonight. You want to do the bottom part? I'm bottom. I can't do top. The, the top you know the bottom part? Yeah, in the jungle. No, it goes... All right, I'll do that. Okay. I, that's it gave me a nice little rush last time. The you back. I feel yeah. like it's a similar tone. Yeah, I do. All right, a away, a away, a away. No, <laughs> what? He goes a whim away, a whim away, a whim away, a whim away, a whim away. Okay, all right, I got it. I got it. I got it. A whim away, a whim away. Okay, a whim away, a whim away, a whim away. <laughs> Tell me how it goes again. A whim away, a whim away, a whim away, a whim Okay, so it'll go down. Okay. A whim away, a whim away, a whim away, a whim away, a whim Okay, but if I, let's say I fuck it up and I just keep doing whim away. Why don't you do the in the jungle part? I, I don't know all the words. I just know in the jungle, the mighty jungle, the lion sleeps tonight. That's enough. Well, it'll be fine. Okay. A whim away, a whim away, a whim I'll do the weave away. I can't. I can't do the progression. I can't do the progression. I'm just going to weave away. You have to do the progression. I'll try. I'll try. All right. I'll away. I'll weave away. I'll weave away. I'll weave away. A whim away, a whim away, a whim away. No, okay. <laughs> you have to go to the result. Just, just fucking let me do what I'm doing and then you come in. It'll I, work either way. Right, or it won't work. Yeah. A whim away, 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 a whim away. A whim away, 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 a whim away. Way up. Did you see The Lion King? I did. I finally saw the movie finally with my. Oh, did you see the play? No. Yeah, see the play. Actually, I didn't even like it that much. <laughs> Dude, they fucking they say that in the Lion King there's some sort of like <laughs> I wanna take a walk around the world. I wonder would it do me any good until I get some money in my pocket, then I guess I'll just have to walk around my neighborhood. But I wanna be good so bad. Wanna be so good, so bad, so bad. I wanna be good so bad. Bad desires all I ever had. And I wanna take a ride up in the sky. Watch this airplane just pass me by. And I wanna see a Lear jetliner take a dive. Just to show all of these people what it means to be alive. But I wanna be good so bad. Wanna be so good, so bad, so bad. I wanna be good so bad. Bad desires all I ever had. And my shadows get smaller and smaller. smaller and smaller and it's high noon where I stand and I wonder would they pay it any mind 
busted city far behind. I'll take the high road, however far it winds, because peace and love are very, very, very hard to find, and I wanna be good so bad. Wanna be good so bad, so bad. I wanna be good so bad. Bad desires all I ever had. Damn it, all these suckers make me mad, and it's all I ever had. It's all I ever had, and these suckers make me mad, and I want to call my dad, and it's all I ever had, 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 and these suckers make me mad, and it's all I ever had, and I want to call my dad, and it's all I ever had, and it's all I ever had, and it's all I ever had.